Welcome, listeners, once again to Cult Following Podcast, brought to you by three guys who love movies just a little too much. I'm Victor Marino, along with Adam Rakowski, Meow. and Kirby Nelson. We love movies. We run Cult Classics AZ here in Tempe. Adam is also one of the masterminds at the Alamo Draft House, and you could say we're explorers in the further reaches of cinema, angels to some, demons to others. It's been a few weeks since our last episode, but we finally did it, you guys. Episode 50! Yeah! Yeah. All right. Yeah! Yeah! So... For episode 50, we're going to look at our top films of 2016. We each have our own varied tastes and picks. We're also going to talk about some of the films hitting your local multiplex this weekend and a little catch-up of what we've been watching. So let's get cracking. That was my Nathan explosion construction worker voice. So we'll start with Kirby, who's had a very busy, busy week. He saw the... 2017's best film ever, Bye Easily. Bye Man. Yeah, um, yeah. The Bye Bye I mean, Man. I'm going to list as the best comedy of 2017. <laughs> There's nothing that's going to top it. Um, I laughed so hard. I actually started, I think, pretty much pissing off everybody around me, and then I think they finally got the joke, and everybody just started cracking up about halfway through. Um, this has got to be one of the. You'll have my review will be up tonight. Uh, you'll be reading this, of course, or hearing this tomorrow, so it'll be up by the time you're there. But it's a. Um, I don't even know how to put this movie. Like, I mean, it looks like kind of a cross between like no, Candyman. It's, it, it's literally like it's uh, the yeah, like classic, and the kind of what I call the Bloomhouse mythology movies, where they like they just take uh, a story, the premise, and then they like try to build the character up, and then it becomes like, uh, you know, it's a franchise built in. I mean, it just as much as any other horror film, you know, the last 50 plus years. But I just feel like with this one, I mean, D- Doug Jones is the only part that's good in this whole Doug movie. Jones is in this movie. Yeah, Doug Jones is the bye bye man. And I love Doug Jones. He's not only one of the most wonderful people in the world, like truly one of the kindest, most wonderful individuals ever but he's he is a phenomenal actor and i mean you know here he's just kind of dialing it in but it's still enjoyable it's that he's not given room to be he's kind of like his gentleman from buffy and that's pretty much what he, he's playing almost a variation on it's, does he wear makeup or is he yeah, himself he, like no, in, he, uh... he himself is that's his best role i mean because it's really the only real role he's gotten to do is himself was uh from the Fear Itself anthology, The Skin and Bones, which is honestly one of the scariest, um, you know, scariest bits of uh, horror I've ever seen. I literally, his, he made such an impression on me in that. Uh, I love it. But, I mean, he's he's great in everything he does. I mean, um, so I, I love Doug Jones, but, uh, you know, he could not save this film. No, no one and nothing could save this movie. Um, uh, Carrie Ann Moss is in it for about a total of nine minutes screen time. And otherwise, everybody else, like a lot of these other films, is just, you know. She's entering that uh, that vaunted Ving Rhames yeah, portion of her career where true. she's like, oh, she's the actress I know in this terrible movie. Yeah, pretty pretty much slumming it. Um, it's just, uh, but it, this is the worst dialogue I think I've heard in a film in forever. 
I mean, in and you really, this is not one of those kind of things where it's a what do you call it, like a room or a birdemic. I mean, it's just bad, like where it just is on that midpoint where you could tell they were taking it seriously, but they still tried and failed miserably. Um, horrible characters that you just don't give a shit about, of course. No, this um, is one of the biggest problems in modern horror movies, I think. Yeah. This is actually why I hated Lights Out, because I hated the characters so much. True, true. And it's so disappointing, because it's written by the guy who wrote Coneheads. Seriously? That yeah. helps. Oh. Well, maybe it was Do they consume comedy. mass quantities? Are there any Subway references? Not that I'm aware of, but I might have missed it. <laughs> there are a few where they tried to do the sly, like, we are going to put um, references into this movie so you can, um, you know, it's like, oh, it's such such a subtle hint. And it's like, yeah, but it doesn't really tie into anything in the end. It's just stupid. Um, and uh, No, I, I take that back. He didn't nope. write it. No, he no, was I'm just sorry. in it. He's an actor, actually, who wrote it. Oh, it's the uh, Underworld effect. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah he raise. has more he has more acting credits than he does writing. He's only uh, written yeah. like four things. And yeah, this I, is this I, is his fir- it looks like his first uh movie. Huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, I don't know. Well, I guess. Well, you can't movie. always hit a home run at first bat, <laughs> Trooper. <laughs> Man, this is uh, yeah, I I'm really going to put in best comedy of 2017. This is the kind of movie you really There was a film years ago, I remember like a, at least 10 years ago that I remember seeing. I think Anchor Bay put it on DVD. If you ever get a chance is a uh, The Alphabet Killer. Yeah, is that played of, at the uh Chandler Cinemas. Yeah, it was part of the best. horror sci-fi By film Fetus, festival yeah. with um, Eliza Dushku. Yeah, if you ever get a chance to check out this movie, it is one hundred percent like one of the most unintentionally hilarious films. Everyone was just dying watching it, but it it, it does it plays itself totally straight, and that's what makes it hilarious. Is that, and they just rip off a ton of movies, um, including I always remember I did a review back when I wrote for I Can Smell Your Brains. Uh, dot com rest in peace um was um about how it basically i mean the whole final twist was totally taken from the movie splatter university the old 80s slasher i mean crib just about everything but awful awful movie uh but uh yeah and he, so. he's also married to the director oh boy so okay. you see all the connections are there yeah so this was funny. a passion project that, there's a lot. Passion. There's a lot of collateral beauty there. Yeah, it was. It was. I. I. I, uh, I would have taken anything at this point in time. I, I would take Helen Mirren's death. I don't give a shit. Just. Anything. I mean, because you know what you know what these months are. These are the dump months. Yes, so, I mean, they are. Yeah, when we, you know, we've done our dump month are, episode, and I don't have high expectations. I just. You know, this is literally what they, you know, it's now kind of referred to as like the hype beast. Like, I mean, the promotional for this is just so in overdrive. Yeah. And it's like anyone who actually watches this, I mean, besides maybe like a matinee showing, I mean, I cannot imagine paying anything close to full price. So really glad I got to go to this screen. Appreciate our friends. And I asked last night, and I don't think anybody, any critic had um, a kind word to say. Um, and there really isn't, though. There's nothing. I'm really, really no amazed redeeming. this even got a press screening. Um, I would have had an Underworld uh, review for Underworld Blood Wars, but they didn't do a press screening for that one. 
because they knew yeah, that was a bomb in the making. Did you see it? No, they didn't do a press screening for it. Which oh, so you just won't go see a movie unless you see a press screening? I'm just saying asshole. that's a big Victor sign a of quality <laughs> right there. No, sure, sure it is. It, yeah. It's always well, it's either that or the, yeah, they just did. Well, then there are times where they did not do a press screen at all for, I can't remember which, which our movies was, just because they wanted to keep it under wraps until like the public saw it. Or they wanted to, Godzilla like, you know, 1998. Was that it? <laughs> no, that was actually, no, just that they kept the merchandising so much under. I uh, worked right. in a video store. One of the guys I worked with, he worked at Taco Bell when it came out. And he said they literally had to wait till like 12.01 a.m. to actually issue the cups or whatever mm-hmm. that had the image. It was just like, wow, what a different time. Yeah. You know, like with how you, you literally could not see stuff. I mean, the internet was up and active. I just don't think people cared. Sure. Um, I'm going to steal some of your breath. Please do. Because you mentioned Underworld, and I watched it. Oh, you did watch. Okay, I haven't I'm watched it, but I want to hear it. Tell us about Underworld Blood Wars. So I was at work, and I was pretty much done with what I had to do for that for that morning. I'm mm-hmm. a, the projectionist at Alamo Cinema Draft House in, in Chandler, Arizona. And I said, okay, I'm going to clock out because I have to be back for an event later on. And so I have about, you know, like maybe about like an hour and a half, two hours to kill. The only thing that was triggering that was starting at that particular time when I clocked out was Underworld. Uh, not in 3D or anything, just regular 2D version. I So I'll just, you know, sneak in and, and watch it. It's terrible. Yeah. Go figure, right? Right. Well, it's terrible to someone who is not married to the series, I suppose. But I was bored to tears. Watching it, thinking to myself, this is completely unnecessary, uh, except unless you're a fan of the series. And I was even surprised that there were people in the theater on a uh, weekday afternoon to even just watch it. They must have been really bored or really big fans. Mm -hmm. I don't know which one. Uh, Kate Beckinsale looks amazing. She has not aged day one since the series began. I, I don't know what her trick is. She's the same age as me. Uh, I would have thought I would have, you know, start seeing like the neck, like, you know, something, you know, when the neck starts. Uh-huh. Waddle. Waddle, waddle. Nothing. I really hope you get to interview at Phoenix Comic Con this year. <laughs> I really was expecting some neck gizzard action, and I, I'm just not seeing it. I mean. <laughs> just aging in, in general, well, we you always, know? Victor and I always talk about this whenever we see celebrities and stuff at these cons. It's just that, like, how we age and stuff. I mean, I think obviously she's taking extremely good care of herself. Or it's just good genes. And her career has taken, um, you know, actually, I mean, they've made money. I mean, (coughs) this one, I saw, what was the fourth one, Awakening. I'm sorry. The one thing I actually remember about that film that I was shocked, it was one of the goriest films I had seen in a long time. This one was tame, really tame. Yeah, so that's why I saw There was one one good scene where they... He sliced a guy in half when they were flying through the air. But I think, you know, Anne even said it. Well, she didn't watch it with me, but she said, well, after the... She kind of liked the first one because it it was revisiting or maybe reinforcing the, you know, the Matrix style that everybody was jumping on, but is now pretty much old hat. But, uh, yeah, it felt so tired. They had the dude from uh, the Divergent movies, I think. Oh, the one guy everyone likes. Well, the one that I think is a total creep like Theo skis James. ball Theo James I just don't there's something about him I don't trust he's gonna be in the news doing something really bad I just I guarantee it I don't get a good vibe from him you can interview him for that too and be like so 
Who'd you rape, lady? Oh you know, my you gosh! Just, you can just, you just jump right in. Forward. Yeah, why just not? See what happens. He yeah. has, I feel like he has the unfortunate role in those Divergent movies of having Shailene Woodley to act against, right? And they have terrible chemistry. Yeah, that too. Yeah, no, that's not uncommon. I mean, I was the whole underworld thing is. I love the second one personally. I thought it was a great movie, and again, super gory, ultra violent. And same thing with the fourth. I liked them. For How that many reason. Underworld? There's five, this right? This, this is, is the fifth. But two, like three of them are sequels, and one is an unrelated prequel. Well, no, the pre, the third one is the Rise of the Lycans is a prequel about the you know the rise of Lucian, the the lead Lycan in yeah. the first film. And well, stuff. it's when they were making money, but Kate Beckinsale was like, no, I can yeah. do better. Yeah, and then she couldn't. Well, and then it was that she. First, it was that Lucian, the what's his name, was, Bill Nye. No, 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 no. The the werewolf was her first husband, and then Len Wiseman, the director, was her second husband. Yeah, and now she's uh, you know not married to him either. So that's just a weird thing to be in that you were literally married to two different people in one franchise. Yeah, like well, it's really strange because I think if you watch, the, isn't like that guy is it's it's Michael, Michael Sheen Sheen that's who it. has moved on to prestige acting, and yeah. it's just the weirdest thing ever. It's like, oh yeah, here's here he is with his uh creeper goatee and you know yeah. long headpiece. And Scott Speedman's like, can I get into that prestige deal? That'd be amazing. Yeah, because I don't think he. I haven't seen anything from him in a long time. Maybe I mean the Strangers. I think was his only other big successful film that a movie did. that probably should have had a sequel yet uh, weirdly enough never did yeah i haven't seen any variation they could have gone on a purge like yeah that could have, that, that was the purge waiting to happen and it didn't happen yeah but um yeah no i mean underworlds i haven't seen it yet it you know it'll be a cheap seat that's gonna be a netflix or yeah me. and um but oh, i yeah. just feel like that series like most of them it's just gone it's the resident evil model where you just which there's a new Resident Evil movie coming out in like two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> well, it is, and it's, it's supposedly you know this one they're like it is the last one again another one married to the director. Um, but it's this just, is this will be like the third time they said it's going to be the last, last one. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I mean it's I don't mean that like a, no, no. A, but the it's current just, Friday yeah, the thirteenth. It's going to make a but, bunch of money. Then I'm like, oh no, wait, we got one more. Yeah, I don't know. It, I mean, I don't know. Via, you, the thing with theirs is it's just international sales. Yeah, That's it makes a ton of movie worldwide, and they're apparently very cheap to make yeah. because it's like just basically TV actors and Mila Jovovich. Yeah, and there's really – you know, it's basically we're gonna make like ten big set pieces, and that's it. Yeah, and that we're just gonna film because they're all the same in that respect. And then they get away with a lot of like indoor filming with a huge amount of them, um, where there's very few outside scenes. So I don't know. I just remember I couldn't even tell you the plot of any of them past the third film. It's hard to even remember them. There's the first one that's like in wow, the house. Wow, we're giving a lot of time to Underworld. <laughs> We're, it's important. We're, we're just in general. I feel like this ties into this whole dump month thing in a way. Oh, sure. Because, you know, these are movies that 10 years ago would have been like, oh, the biggest film of the summer, Resident Evil, the final chapter. And now it's like January, uh, Resident Evil. It just speaks to how, like, the whole Marvel cinematic approach or the whole prestige tentpole of things like Justice League is kind of edged out these little 
fringe movies that would have been on that level. Yeah, and that's an old school model. You're right. I mean, every succeeding year up until probably maybe within the last 10, um, you know, I'd say the mid-aughts was the last time you really saw a huge. But that's it's kind of like uh, I always consider it that summer of 2008 with The yeah. Dark Knight and then everything else, Mummy, The Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, uh, Hellboy 2, and all those films, that's when they were like, ah, we're fucked. Like, yeah. we can't do this in the summer anymore. We can't, we have to be very, very selective about what time we use to well, release. Well, I'm kind of amazed. Like, this year specifically, there's so much big stuff coming out that a lot of stuff that would have come out, like, closer to summer, like, you know, March, April, is coming out in February. The yeah. Lego Batman movie comes out, like, uh, like the uh, the second week of February, I think. Yeah. Well, now they're also going, it's all numbers and money, and they're going, well, Deadpool did great Valentine's Day. So now we have it. We, we're we're skewing the, you know, it's it's we're flipping the script. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. And we're running out of time anyways. So who knows? I, I think eventually it's going to just come out where January will be that month of the year where you're just – Everything will dump then, and then maybe October, and those will be the only two dump months of the year. Yeah, they're running or September rather, I'd say. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, other than that, just keep things moving along. Um, I finally did see Rogue One. Just wanted to quick mention that because we did talk about that last time. I uh, the only thing I want to say about it besides that I did enjoy it, didn't love it, didn't hate it, really liked it was that uh, it was the film I was waiting for. It felt like more of a dark, violent, realistic version of Star Wars. That's all I can really say. And I don't feel is that it got too bogged down in the uh, the previous films. I mean, there was obviously a lot of connections, but it didn't bother me the way it Did would. Did you ever read any of the novelizations? The Timothy Zahn like books? Timothy Zahn books, any of those guys, Only a little people. bit when I was younger. My brother was a big fan. So that's... Not, I'm not, and I'm not pointing to one author, but I've read a few, you know, beyond Timothy Zahn, which is is some of the better examples of 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 uh, incorporating the Star Wars universe within a novelization. Uh, but not to name any names, I know that there's. It's kind of like the Star Trek uh, novelizations that I've not read, but I know that there's very strict stipulations if you're going to write this stuff you have to include this this and this and you can't go to this area or that area star wars kind of does that too but not in a in such a strict way but there are certain things that the novelizations throughout the years since they started doing that and in, in what was that like the mid 90s somewhere around there yeah when early, they started to really 90s, roll out with yeah, it uh they there were there were things in there that I'm like, can we move on from this? Can we not have a novel that has uh, I have a bad feeling about this? And it's not being said by Han Solo; it's by some other character. Or there's there's certain things that are that are so canonized and 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 rehashed religion, basically, right? Biblical, and well, and all these recalls to various lines that are rehashed uh i never really got into the novels because of that like i don't want to read the same lines over and over again this 
Rogue One kind of felt like a novelization to me in some ways. I, I, when I was watching it, I was in a completely different mindset because I, I was just starting work and I was getting paid to watch it and I, I couldn't remove myself. I, I felt like I, I shouldn't be sitting in a movie theater watching the, the movie. I, I may have mentioned this last time. So I, I wasn't able to separate myself from, from work and watching the movie. So uh, there were a lot of stuff that I missed in it. But overall, I did like it. But it it felt like a, a novelization uh, brought to the screen. Yeah, that makes sense. I hear that. The only other thing too is say I love the ending. I'm just gonna leave it there. That mm. that I love that they just know they get off the the fucking planet. I love that people died. Uh, I mean, not in the sense how oh, I love people dying. I love realism. I mean, this is fucking war, and it's like. Wow, this actually had some real impact to me as opposed to because I personally just really wasn't had any vested interest in Force Awakens. I mean, I'm just not a big Star Wars fan, but I do think you're right, though. You hit the nail on the head, though, about expanding the universe and how it works. Um, I will say, though, that like for like the Star Trek novels, like Peter David, who already is an incredibly accomplished uh, writer in comics, his Star Trek novels. I wish would have been made into episodes or films. I mean, they were so good. I read a ton of those in junior high and high school. But, um, you know, in the end, yeah, everybody, there's there's either you have to pay the toll to the to the property or to the fans, the fan service, and it ends up getting to be a jumbled mess as opposed to, yeah, you can play around in the, the universe as you like and get to do things your way. I just, I, I think that... Uh, comics have that too, and that's the last bastion. And even that's kind of fading away. Well, even this, the, well, the Star Wars comics went like really crazy weird after a oh guy. I don't even know how many they had made. I think they just stopped maybe like eight years ago. Do you remember that, Victor? Uh, I remember I there's like a big thing that was released, like, oh, this is the last uh, Marvel produced Star Wars comic book or something it maybe ended it on a certain Dark episode Horse who used to do star wars comics well, i think maybe something. no there was a marvel they did marvel line in the line. 70s and 80s and probably up and i mean i think it was up until like the I mean, it was up until the 90s but, but they were weird yeah there was I mean, a they, lot of stuff they let it go i mean they they continued on with luke skywalker and and they kind of jumped around a lot but then they had some sort of like like uh orange rabbit that was in there, and I mean, it was almost like Guardians of the Galaxy for a little while with all these odd characters that got together and would go on these adventures. We call that the, uh, yeah, like the Ninja Turtles, which also is weird, like besides the actual original, like Mirage comics, there was the whole Archie series. I mean, like the Archie series of a lot of comics was, you know, had, I mean, people go, well, they're for kids, you know, they're dumbed down, but I mean, a lot, those are huge fan bases. I mean, they're still going. Right. Something like 10, 20, 30 years, and they're still making comics. Um, you know, like a lot of the franchises, you know, had a life in comics that was huge. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, um, but, uh, you know, it's one, uh, I would definitely, it's one of the ones I'd actually watch again, give it, given the chance, but we'll see. Um, I finally hit the dollar theater real quick. Saw Miss Peregrine's. Didn't see that when it came out originally. Oh yeah, Ugh. wasn't dying to. Yeah. Um, just don't care much for Tim Burton's work. This one was just a throwaway to me. Yep. There's nothing yeah. I liked, disliked. Just, just didn't even it think about there. it. Yeah, it was just there. Um, I did finally see. Uh, I 
we'll wind it up here. Um, two are not going to be on my list for the top ten of the year, but I did watch. And uh, we all have – we've talked about this in our previous top tens of the year has been uh, the cram session to try to get stuff in. And the two I watched was The Wailing, um, which is a, a Korean horror movie, which uh, play – I kind of watched it like a Korean drama. I watched hmm. it in like 30-minute intervals. Yeah, um, it's an, I, a nearly three-hour movie. I tr- I tried to watch and I just I couldn't get through yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's just I really had high hopes. I'd heard good things. I personally just the idea of it was interesting. I think the most fascinating part of it is how xenophobic it is. Uh, in case you don't know about, you know, I'm I'm not claiming myself to be an expert, but having visited both. I can say that uh, the Korean view of the Japanese and vice versa isn't exactly kind. No. In this movie very interestingly plays into that. I mean, if this was done in an American audience with maybe two different racial groups, I certainly do not think this would be um, considered okay. But um, And then the other one, I, I went late night. I could only find one or two theaters playing it, but um, I was trying to get as many A24 films in because I love A24's releases, and that was uh, Moonlight. Which uh, of course you beat me. I I keep trying to watch it. It just disappears. Yeah, it was only at uh, the AMC Twenty Four downtown and Mill, not Mills, one other one. But it was oh at uh, uh, Valley Art. Yeah, it keeps hopping around. And it was only at Alamo showed it for about three weeks. Yeah, so I said, you know, but I'd really wanted to see this long before the Golden Globes win and all the hype and um. Beautiful score, beautiful cinematography, excellent acting, um, great cast. I really wanted to love this movie so much, and I just didn't. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I thought it was good, but I didn't love it. And I think it's one of those films where I think it's getting a lot probably more praise than it deserves. Um, I think it would not be as huge if not for certain components. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, no, I know what you're talking. Yeah. That's kind of the feeling I yeah. got. Yeah. So, but um, I'd still encourage people to check it out. I just wouldn't, you know, if you're expecting the best film of the year, um, you, you maybe you'll find it in it. I, I, I just didn't. So, and uh, we already discussed the Bye Bye Man, unfortunately. And so that's about it for me for ketchup. How about you guys, Adam? I saw La La Land. Oh, what did you think of La La Land? Uh, went on. It had date night with the wife. Uh, it, it was good. I liked it. <laughs> As I know. I, I like, I, I don't know. I like musicals, so I was looking forward to this one regardless. Even if it didn't get as much buzz as it has been, I, I we probably would have seen it anyways because it just looked very charming. And that's what it is. It's a charming movie. Now, I was at the end of it at the end of the day i think i wanted it to go a little more weird yeah it only like a little more lapses like maybe a, a little bit more um song and dance maybe like like on a, on a bigger scale even though i think to uh its triumph is that it's grounded more in reality as opposed to it being like you know the big musical numbers that just break out and everybody's dancing, you know they'll they'll it's it's more intimate, it's more of a a convert, it's more conversational than an, it is a production most of the time. Uh, they're doing their their song and dance, their love you know song and dance type thing, uh, but you know poetically speaking, I suppose. I 
I almost wish it was it was uh, a kind of capturing more of the um, uh, what's that one the endless spotless mind of an eternal sunshine, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. mind where things would kind of go askew a little bit because it wasn't you know really real you know it's la la land you know yeah um it looked beautiful but it was to me it was just missing a little bit more of that edge to it a little bit more of that uh kind of set piece or taking the crooked path as opposed (laughs) to going straight down the line it maybe play around with like you 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 would realize as opposed to this being an actual bar somewhere that they were hanging out in that it actually looked a little bit fake mm. kind of how how musicals back in the day it would you would you could tell that they were on a stage and Sounds then good. you know it, it would be like kind of a half wall or something as opposed to you know a real location if they played around with that a little bit more i feel i mean i, I don't know i'll talk about it more when we get into the top 10 but i do feel that there is that kind of vibe to it there is yeah but i wanted more of it yeah okay cool. uh overall it you know it was it was good um i was really hoping it would just be you know happy go lucky the entire time i don't like to go to movies and and feel all sad and stuff because it is sad in spots uh where it got into that kind of 500 days of summer feel to it with a little bit of the sliding doors at the very end uh, that, yeah, that's that's pretty much my summation. Everybody does a really good job. It's really nice to um, see somebody who's who's making movies that are are much more interesting uh, and relatable in ways that you wouldn't think is relatable. That's good. That's good. And then, that's the only other movie you've seen. You haven't seen any more like random stuff. I don't think so. Okay. Nothing new. Nothing that's memorable. If it's not memorable, you know, why even? Yeah. I've just been so busy at work. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, and also when you're then, and it's kind of like you said about watching Rogue One, kind of, you know, the that feeling you're still getting used to of this is what I do for a living now. Like, Well, I was actually getting paid for Rogue One. When no, we went but, to La La, you know, La Land, I mean, you know, we... we uh, you know, we get the we get free movies anyways, but um, you know, we got to sit down and like, okay, I'm just shutting off, yeah. you know, the work thing. Yeah, I got That's the free I mean. movie ticket from Alamo. I have to cash in at some point yeah. for my birthday. I did. Uh, I have to do quality control tests, and I don't necessarily sit there and watch the whole movie, but I ha- I have to watch certain parts of it. I discipline myself to kind of jump around just to check sound and yeah. uh, that sort of thing. And uh, I I will say so far, and you're probably going to mention this, Victor, or if it's no, I think you already have it up on cultfollowing.co. Uh, Silence yes looks amazing. Yeah, it's really so good. far what I've watched. I've watched maybe about ten fifteen minutes of it. And I, I didn't want to stop, but I had to because a feature, the actual real feature was about to start. It's really engrossing. It didn't make my top 10 for a specific reason, but I'll get into that when we get. Is it considered a 2016? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, pretty much. But no, it's a really good movie. It's It would be in my like top 15. I'm not doing honorable mentions. I'm just sticking to that. Yeah, neither am I. It was interesting, though. I did have to go and check uh data release on a few things yeah. just to see where it actually was because so many of these have had delayed trips to well the, uh, a cinema. lot of movies coming out this month played for like one week in december to get yeah i'm not when i do my 2017 list i'm gonna 
No, we can I'm massage say it. It's That's got, fine. It's got to be. Oh, if it had wide being... release in 2017, then it's 2017. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Agreed. Anything new? Yeah. Well, I'll say. Uh, and was, definitely what's up on the reviews right now. Yeah. we. If you go to cultfollowing.co right now, there's a ton of reviews up and uh, more are coming. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about movies coming out this week. Uh, Kirby just gave a, a by Bye Man a thumbs down easily. I will talk about the other two movies that are opening up this week. Um, Live by Night and Patriot's Day. Um, yeah, this is a Boston week, clearly. Um I actually have very strong opinions about both of these movies, but I'll keep it short. Um, we have a review of Live by Night up right now on cultfollowing.co. That's another one that I had to take a look at in parts. Yeah. Here's one thing that right away kind of bugged me about it. Uh-huh. Ben Affleck's voice. Yes. I so I know I know what he was going for. I mean, he's isn't he he's from boston him and yeah, matt damon are from yeah. the same you know uh, new england area so i heard that and that was fine that was totally fine mm-hmm. but he he introduced like this kind of gravel now and again yeah that he, was i mean i was I, 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 it was so distracting he doesn't have a deep he, no, no no it's not like that it's it was, more like uh he would fall into that yeah, a little I'm bit an outlaw like like he would let a trail in yeah, like the last off. part of his like he's sentence. trying to do like the bruce wayne voice he did in justice league or uh batman versus superman uh, yeah where it's like i'm trailing off yeah i get you now. yeah but he would lose the accent though too. He'd it's lose, as he would go into throughout that the whole movie, which is a good way of describing. The and movie. I didn't even watch the whole movie. Yeah. I jumped around from the beginning to in the middle, and then toward the end. Yeah, because I was doing my sound checks. Every time it was some scene with him, and he would go in and out of the accent, and then into that kind of the the, the growly you know thing at the end of the yeah. So I don't even know if I want to see the movie now. It's a really strange movie. Uh, I'll say this. If you're wa- wanting to watch a movie that's just like, oh, this looks cool and you want to turn your brain off for a couple hours, like it's okay in that way. It's an okay movie. Unfortunately, it's not good or great. It's just like, meh, it's okay. Bummer. Yeah. I was really I was really it, hoping that it, it'd be it a good gangster like movie. It has like all this ambition to it. Like it's trying to be like Ben Affleck's like – you know, meets 1932 like, Scarface. Like Once Upon a Time Godfather in America kind of thing. Two. Yeah. yeah. It's like the rise and fall of this like uh, uh, outlaw because basically the whole movie – this is what bothered me the most about it, is there's no character arc. He tells you right at the beginning that he doesn't want to belong to anything. And yeah. after being in World War One, he just – and through, he, he has like this weird moral code. Like it's trying to be like just too many movies in one. And then it's really bizarre because halfway through, uh, like you could chop the first hour of this movie and it doesn't like have any payoff. But halfway through, there's this weird – it turns into this kind of like the mob versus the KKK movie, which seems like – Oh wow, this is really interesting. And then it's just but it's like a B comedy plot. Like all the KKK people are it feels like a Cohen Brothers movie with Cohen Brothers quirky characters directed totally straight. And and there's just narrative tangents and there's not really a solid storyline throughout. Mm. And then it has this really like Night, like, has a really good ending. Like, it's trying to speak to bigger things, but it doesn't belong to the movie it's attached to. So I was, I was like, oh man, this could make me tear up, but it doesn't really. 
I don't care about these characters. It's just the way this ending section is so, set up. So yeah, so it's just a bunch of like set pieces just put together and then a narrative thrown on. Yeah, kind of. And like it has really weird casting throughout, which really throws you off. Like um, there's a the the Italian mob he works for. Um, the the head of the mob is just some stage actor, and then his son, who Ben Affleck ends up having a power struggle with, is a uh, Doogie Hauser's friend from Doogie Hauser. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I'm like, that. Who is that guy? I looked it up. Like, what? And there's just like a bunch of, um, uh, Ben Affleck's uh, character's name is Joe Coughlin. His right hand man is uh from the Mindy Project. So it's like there's all these comedians there, just like, and it just throws you off because you don't really know how you're like. It's like a Coen Brothers thing. Like, okay, they're playing. It's because comedians will will uh will work for scale. Yeah. Well. <laughs> They'll 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 just yeah. they'll just go for anything. But it, it just I, it, it doesn't in a lot of ways it's just strange. Like, or I don't do you know. think he was trying to go for? Well, did Ben Affleck direct this? Yeah, he oh, wrote okay. and directed oh, it. So I, maybe he was going for like a Quentin Tarantino type no. casting of like people that I, I think it's just uh, there's people who are in his other movies in here who are just miscast, and I I have to think this might be due to uh, other. Uh, like he might have been overextended, but I think out of all his movies, this is clearly the worst one, hmm. and that's kind of a bummer because I liked, I like all the trailers for it. I'm like, oh, this yeah, no, so I thought good. it looked really interesting. Yeah, um, the other movie I saw uh, that's coming out tomorrow is um, Patriots Day by Peter Berg, starring Mark Wahlberg, who you'll remember because uh, they just did Deep Water Horizon together a few months ago, like. Um, this movie really bothers me. Um, when it seemed to come out of nowhere, I didn't know about it, it until we me, got, this is like one of those a movies. Trailer for I, it. Is anybody really asking for a movie no. about the Boston bombing? No, it's just, it feels like a nine 11 movie. And, um, they're the first hour is setting up the race and they do really good job of like making all the footage from the race fit into the movie. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of money was spent here. The explosion happens, and you see all the aftermath. And the credits, they credit K&B effects, the people who do uh, – or Nicotero and Bert, you know, the people do who Walking do Walking Dead. Because yeah. they do photorealistic explosions, limbs, and everything. Like, you feel like you're watching, like, actual viscera, and it's really off-putting. It's the goriest movie I've seen in a very long time, like, since Green Room. I, I mean, it's just, like, uh, off-putting, like – you know, and I'm sure that's part of it. Like, make it look as real as possible, and it's just really disturbing to look at. And then all that it just it's just to set up these characters that things will happen to later on. And then that 40 minutes of the movie is like interesting. And then the movie doesn't really have a climax. It just uses all this documentary footage of all the actual people who were in the explosion. To lead to this like whole thing about like oh we love our first responders, it just feels really creepy and exploitative to me. Mm. And like you watch it, and I cause I guess I know people watch it like oh that was a good movie, and but the real answer is would you watch it again? And I think the answer is no. Yeah, but that kind of goes with all those. Um, 
And I mean, there's people who are not, you know, there's some folks who are going to go, well, you know, it really honors, you know, both uh, the victims and, um, you know, the heroes involved in whatever the particular event is. And then there's other people who are just going to be flout and say it's tragedy porn. Yeah, that's you know? exactly and a good way to describe it. And there's some people who say, well, it's about, you know, current power struggles in, in political climates and all this. My whole thing is you can tell the story however you want. I mean, you can tell it from whatever perspective. I think if you, you know, this is a very linear, obviously almost all these are, the the only one I ever saw that I thought was a little bit less um, so is the United 93 because it played out like, I mean, because, you know, it's, it's nobody's. They're not – nobody's yeah. an actor. And so it gave it like a documentary almost feel. I mean, in well, that, a way – I, I feel like that influences a lot because it's shot really like handshaky. Oh, well, no. What I meant to like is that yeah. – Yeah. You kind of just – you go right in with the people – and you just live it with them. Yeah, that's and, how this is. And that's and I said that one worked a little bit better though, just because it didn't just feel like a typical like reenactment and stuff. And obviously that's what they're going for here in a way. I just with the whole and and I can say this personally because I have a friend that I grew up with that was a victim in the Boston Marathon bombing and did lose a limb and survived but lost a limb. And so there, I have a personal connection to it. But I think that the story, you know, of this whole event, you know, is never going to be – I think that that's the problem is, is that people don't want to tell a, a more full story. They, they're going to focus on whoever they want to focus on, um, whatever the feel-good part is as opposed to going after – I mean that's that's the problem almost with every kind of film like this is, is that they just don't want to say – you know, it's like – if you were going to make, like, a brave film, you know, I, I'm sorry, you, you, it's not black and white. Nothing is, is easy. And I'm not a 16-year-old girl mm-hmm. who has a crush on uh, uh, fucking Zokar Sarnov or whatever, the the younger, the boss. Yeah. Boy, like the Rolling Stone Who's cover that, boy. Yeah, and so it, a, it, a big it, part of this movie, it, it like, you know, it's following people that day of, and it follows Zokar and his brother and his wife, who's played by the girl who plays Melissa Benoist, who plays Supergirl on Supergirl. And she's playing like this radicalized Muslim, and it's really strange. Um, but my biggest issue with this movie is almost like 90% of the people in this movie are real people. Like you're actually yeah. following like what happened to them because it talks to them at the end. But Mark Wahlberg plays this fictional cop, and he just happens to be everywhere that's important and he's the main character yeah and it's weird it's well, just here's, weird here's a perfect example though i i'll lay it out like this you know obviously there were these victims here at the 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 bombing itself at the marathon the survivors but it's like it's the one security guard is the only person who died as the brothers were trying to escape I mean, yeah he's he, the character in this movie yeah, and he, he was, you get his backstory yeah, and everything well that's good yeah. because that was the one thing i would say like if you're honoring somebody who fell in the line of duty i would say like it, i hope you got a you know a better part of the story because it's like even though it was a short piece because you know he literally acted on jumped into the action to stop these brothers you know it's like those are the kind I – mean, like I say, you can go in a lot of different ways with these kind of films, and I just feel like it, it's either or. Uh, you know, whatever side of the aisle you're on or in between, a lot of these films I feel like whatever it is, it's always to go on some kind of – I don't feel like it really honors anybody. No. And that's what I don't like about it's it. It's just like basically like 
my big whole thing is it doesn't really feel like this movie needed to be made. I think everybody agrees that the who that first responders were heroes and well yeah but and it talks about oh Boston strong we're all Boston I'm like yeah no I get that yeah but I don't I didn't need this weird gory like you know re reimagining of it to tell me that it feels like it's too soon in a way yeah I mean I well I I think it's good to have realism and stuff I guess I just look at like the whole like you know whatever the you know the cheerleading kind of part and stuff like you should support um that's my personal view is to support those you know but no one's infallible no one's perfect and i also i mean i've seen a lot of things out of the culture of this you know that uh you know disturbed me like um yeah i remember years ago somebody dressed up as a boston marathon victim for halloween and mm-hmm. i'm like you know it's awful just as much as any other thing but I remember this woman got, like, tons of rape and death threats. And I'm like, oh, is that, you know, Boston strong? You know, fuck you people. Like, I have very strong feelings about that. Like, you're going to go threaten to rape and kill somebody else, you know, because of this kind of thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's more to all these stories than mm. people no, want to no, no, no. say. I totally that, agree with and that. That's, that, that's I'm, the hard part. I'm no. just speaking to no, this I know. bigger thing where, like, this movie's going to make money well, yeah, regardless yeah, 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 yeah. of – Oh, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah, I, yeah, just, yeah. It goes on to this. What it what it does is is that what I'm saying is anytime the, the to the to say it again on the tragedy porn kind of thing is is that there's the you can film it from you could say this is how the genesis of how all this happened from whatever perspective you want, and then you can say these are the after effects. The reason I bring up that specific item is because what I'm trying to say is people are going. Oh, we hate terrorism. We hate all these different things. It's like we we hate people. It's like, and that's what society is to me. More and more, I feel like every time I get on the internet, all it is is hate. Everything is yeah. hating everything, and it's like, and so you make a movie, and it's like feel good about that we stood up to hate, and it's like, yeah, but then you you know, it's like hate for anything. There are first responders and firemen, police who have laid down their lives, just like military. And then there's the same ones who in some of these tragic situations raped and um, hurt other people, you know, or whatever. And so it's like you can't – nothing is single. And, and it's just like – it's like we, when we discuss the whole thing about controversy in among – would you watch a film if you didn't like the person, maybe their actions or an event? To me, Mark Wahlberg, you know, he – I like him as an actor – but let's be totally honest. He committed like numerous hate crimes oh, in his yeah. youth, well, and it's kind of like, kind of like now you're sitting here going, "He's like, well, you know, I, I, yeah, that was my past." And I'm like, "Yeah, but we don't forgive other people. Why the fuck should we forgive you?" No, you know? and I, I understand knows, where you're coming from. Thing. I'm not, I'm not trying yeah. to undercut your point about first responders and everything. No, my, no, my, my, no, no, it's not to say there's anything no. wrong. No, 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 I just wanted to speak to a different element. This yeah. is, this is the larger issue of why this movie movie bothers me because Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg's last movie was the exact same thing as this movie Deepwater Horizon like oh you know let's look at these uh you know oil workers who were on this rig and oh oh I remember that from the news oh they were people oh let me check that out so are you telling me that anytime there's a tragedy movie where you can stick in a everyday Bostonian character played by Mark Wahlberg, they're going to make a movie about it because it's going to make money. It yes. seems really cynical to me and it just kind of bothers me. On well, level. Peter Berg wants to make Dune. He's been trying to do that for a long <laughs> yeah. time. So can you imagine Paul Atreides 
Oh, I don't being know. Mark Wahlberg. Come on, get your Boston accent. You can fear's do it, the mind Victor. killer. Fear is the mind killer. I must not fear. <laughs> oh, my oh, gosh. I'm fearing. Oh. Spice is life. Yeah. It's life. The sleeper has awakened. The uh... It's the trees. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry, Baron Harkonnen. <laughs> <laughs> the, this was on the... Uh, the uh, the extra special features of Jodorowsky's Dune, <laughs> in case you missed it, the Boston version. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. That's it, and that really is the point. But that's also you could say in the end on all that it's kind of like the Simpsons always capitalized on well was the um the whole part where Bart, Bart joins the kids news and uh-huh. Ken Brockman teaches him how to exploit yes. human interest stories and that's that's really probably the biggest heart of the matter in the end. Yeah. Yeah. So- yeah, so that's bas- basically, I-, I would say, out of the three movies opening this week, there, there's one okay pick and there's two not really so awesome ones. Yeah, well, that's kind of the case during this month anyway. Yeah, yeah but Silence opens tomorrow too. Oh, I thought that, well, yeah, Silence is good. You should check out Silence, although that's already been open in white and you know, other theaters in the Valley, oh, too. I, I think it's just been, like, rolling out, rolling out to different yeah, theaters. Yeah, Silence we just got is good. Today, we, I, so. I strongly uh, encourage people to check that movie out. This is a lot about faith. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting historical piece. It's good, too, because it's, like, Martin Scorsese has this really good knack for casting people you wouldn't expect in things. And um, Is this the one with Andrew Garfield? Yeah, it's really good. Um, I'll say say, uh, one of the best actors in this whole movie is, um, I think his name is, uh, I can't remember. It's on Cult Following and I don't want to, I don't want to fuck it up, but it's the director of Tetsuo uh, Body Hammer or, you know, the Bullet Man movies from the 80s. And he's just like playing this, uh, christian this secret christian i'm like man this guy's a really uh, good actor i never would have like you know pegged a cult film director to be like this really hey hey david cronenberg turned out to be like one of the best actors and not just nightbreed and some of his other little roles but if you've never seen there's a great friday the 13th the series episode Uh called faith healer that Cronenberg is in, and it's one of the best episodes I have that, ever. I have that box that I need to crank it out. Yeah, if you start, start with that one. It's yeah. awesome. No, and, and uh, I'll say it's probably the only good American movie Tadanobu Asano has ever been in. He's really good in it. I did see the uh, trailer, and I will say uh, the cinematography looked good. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful movie. I guess they filmed it all in Macau, and it's just like, wow. It's just... You know, for all you hear about New Zealand, this looks this place looks amazing, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The um but uh just on that last point though, it, it is interesting though you brought up the point about where it's been wide release and stuff to the earlier perspective of man, I I think more and more I've never had to chase so many movies down. Well, it's in my difficult life. here in Arizona because Harkins gets a week a few exclusives on almost everything. I know like a lot of the movies I end up reviewing open exclusively like at uh, the Camel View in Scottsdale and then they don't open anywhere else for like a few more weeks. You know. Are we running long? That's true. Huh? Are we running? I was, I was yawning. <laughs> Yawny. Yeah. But uh, I will say we got some more reviews coming up next week too for uh, Gold and um, – 
The Founder, which should be opening next week. But I will say both of those movies are good. We'll have reviews up. I'm, I'm really trying to get some more on there, I promise, so it doesn't turn to Victor's blog. I'm really, <laughs> really working no, on it. No, and uh, Ruby has a good review I know of Ruby Hidden and... Figures Up, too, which I, I really haven't seen, see but everyone has been saying it's a really good movie. Yeah, I'm very interested in seeing yeah. that one. Cool, cool. Cool. And now we're about to break into the meat and potatoes of this, our tops. The, the tops. big one zero for the big five zero. Yes. You know, this has been a big year for movies, and I've got a couple, a few lists here, too. I got my top ten movies of the year. I got my top five horror, my top five documentaries. Oh, Damn. fuck you, dude. Come on, man. <laughs> Stop being a pussy. One ten, and that's it. Oh, that's bullshit. I, I can't. That, no way, man. Come on. <laughs> All right. What do you got, Adam? Yeah, I'm in uh, I, uh, genres here. No. Different group. I have a top honor, and then I just have the top. All right. So every, oh, everybody's on top. And in, in no particular order, before I give you my top honor, Hardcore Henry. Now, even though that was officially 2015, but it was wide released here. That's kind of what we were saying earlier. Yeah, I was like, I think that what? No, was that like was, a, that, a was February. that came out this. Yeah, this that came out in 2016. But officially, it was 2015. Well, it's true. A date of production. Well, we, I'm counting wide release. Like right. festival dates don't right. matter. Yeah, right. that's true. Uh, I don't know. It, it's it just it makes me smile. And the, the I, and I'm so sorry. I forget his name every single time. I'm sure more things that I see him in. It'll stick with me. Uh, the the District Nine dude. Uh, on. it's one of it sounds like Charlo Topley or something. Yeah, it's something very flower. Something flowery. like I had it a minute ago. Yeah, it's see, see like, what I mean? I just it's it, it once I see him in more things, but he is so delightful in this movie, and the way that they unpeel his character throughout, and then once great. you realize you know what's going on you're you're really in for the ride. When you think it's kind of a one note movie, it really it just gets sweeter and sweeter as it goes along. Uh, and it is what it is. And if you've seen the trailers, you know exactly what it's going to be about. Charlton Copley. There you go. There you go. You're very close. Uh, green room is the, well, well, you you can't mention this list without saying that a 24 just killed Killed it this year, this year. And they still have more stuff coming out this year. That looks really interesting as well. Green room. I didn't know if I liked it initially when I saw it, I have issues with it, but I think it's an important movie. Uh, just, uh, cinematically the, the directing, uh, was really good. Uh, it had a very intimate, but fresh, uh, perspective on a small story, which sometimes you, you don't really get you. They want to throw in everything in the kitchen sink. This was just, it was very simple. So it was all on the shoulders of the acting and the directing. And I think they did a good job even with its faults. Uh, one that had all the elements that were just wonderful and, and lovely and titillating was Swiss army man. Uh, just smiled the whole time when you watched that movie, some little, you know, more somber parts, but, uh, overall you're, if you if you walked into it and you didn't know what you were going to expect, you'd probably walk out of it going, oh, "What the hell was that?" I kind of knew what to expect, and I I loved it from beginning to end. Uh, one of the guilty pleasures on my list: Independence Day Resurgence. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. It's just a big old popcorn, dumb movie. Uh, going Stealing a phrase that Victor said earlier, if you want to watch something where you just turn off your brain, that's that's a good one. It's 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 eye candy. Uh, even though like Liam Hemsworth didn't really have any purpose in that movie whatsoever. He's a terrible actor. Uh, he'll be on our next show. We'll be interviewing him, asking him why he's a terrible actor. <laughs> God, Adam, you got a real review uh, uh, schedule here for 2017, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Jonah Ray wants to come on our podcast, by the way. Okay. Uh, next time he's in Arizona, he promised. So I'm Sweet. holding him to that. Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, for, uh, this is this is kind of in the same uh, park as Green Room, as it has its its faults, or it's kind of like, eh, are you trying to shoehorn this into the Cloverfield universe in some way? Was it a story of something else that wasn't supposed to be, you know, this? But in order to get more people to watch it, kind of thing. Uh, but I still like it. I I've watched it. A, couple times since then and i still continue to enjoy it and there's now there's a big conspiracy circle a viral circle out there that people are deconstructing uh the first cloverfield movie and 10 cloverfield lane tying everything together in the timeline and stuff so it's it now i'm starting to get deeper into it because now uh, there's going to be the third uh of this these series of these in within the cloverfield universe can't remember what it's what it's called uh, tentatively but uh, I think that's coming it's out. It's called later God Molecule. That, God Particle. That's actually, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Can I say one thing? Go about for it. A, so um, in Patriot's Day, uh, John Goodman is in it. Yeah. And he is skinny as a fucking rail. Yeah. It's really weird. It looks like his skin is like yeah. falling off. So I, I, was reading, I was reading an interview with him, and I guess he lost all this weight like a year ago, and he wore a fat suit in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, my gosh. He wore a fat suit in that movie. Just thought that well, was weird. Yeah, I mean, there. I guess there wasn't really a purpose yeah. of why he would have to do that. Yeah, because he can still carry the role just yeah. fine. And you know, I would imagine interesting factoid. I yeah. suppose. Uh, Doctor Strange, just again, eye candy. Uh, love that Cumberbatch Humperdinck. Uh, he's always good in everything. Uh, Rogue One, Star Wars Story, we talked about that earlier. La La Land, we talked about that earlier. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. The whole film was so satisfying to watch. And when it was done, I didn't even uh, realize that I was sitting in a theater. I was engrossed with it. It didn't change my life, but it was just really well executed uh, in, in every aspect but yet again, I didn't have to think about it. There's nothing that I would uh, maybe pick out of the sky going, you know, that that completely changes the whole Harry Potter universe for me or, you know, expands on it in any way. It's just a, it's just a good movie. Uh, getting really close to the very top honor. This th- Between the top honor and this other movie that I'm about to mention now was a complete flip of the coin, The Lobster. Mm. got under my skin and in my brain i it's a movie that i think about now and again that my wife and i talk about it now and again uh really wish the uh i don't even think it's they released it on blu-ray i only seen it on dvd wish it had uh, commentary or even uh, you know a featurette that um gave you a little bit more insight to it kind of the same complaint that i have about the release of it follows i wish there was just more to 
kind of chew on and and learn about um, the, all the different Easter eggs or meanings behind whatever. Uh, but my top honor is Deadpool. I've watched it so many times since it's come out, and I I just pop it in and I smile throughout the whole thing. May say I just, it has I love a good chance movie. of being nominated for best picture, actually. Yeah, and I hear it's pissing people off. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, who gives a shit? Come on, it's a it's a stupid awards show. Yeah, crying out loud! It's they're just movies. People, relax. Let's get though. That's I'll, it. That's, I like that on your list. That I and I really think this is important. Is that. You mentioned how many movies made you smile. Yeah. yeah. That's a good fucking thing. That's that's pretty much been my uh my thing these days. That's why I was I was a little bit trepidant to go see La La Land. So I'm like, ooh, this could go really dark. Yeah. It could get really sad. Don't cry, Victor. Oh you're already, no, you're it's just my to allergies. Oh sure. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I'd say, yeah, looking at my list, I mean, most of the stuff made me smile. Lobster was very dark, though. Uh, that didn't necessarily make me smile at that's all. That's a really dark movie, actually. It's the opposite of smile. But it made me think. Either it was, you know, that's, I guess that's the only d- difference between the other ones. The other ones made me smile. This one really made me think. Do you want to go next, Kirby? Cloverfield no, made me right think, ahead, too. Man. It's all, all right. good. But, yeah. I guess I'm just going to do my sub list since they're really short. Now I'm I'm thinking rearranging <laughs> mine. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll just do All right. this. So, um, just because I an watch, order? yes, I do. Um, I I watch a lot of movies, so I have to. I kind of really needed to make this happen. So documentaries, because I didn't want to have documentaries in my top ten movies, but I've watched a lot of good documentaries this year. So, um, number five is. Author, the J.T. Leroy story. Just because I've always thought this was an interesting story. It was about um, how this woman, Laura Alpert, convinced celebrities for over a decade that she was secretly a uh, a uh, ex-hooky trans author named J.T. Leroy. And um, how they all came to confide in her and even made a movie out of one of her books without knowing she was secretly a woman and not a 20-year-old trans boy. Um, it's interesting just to see the perspective of she actually told some of these celebrities and they accepted her. Apparently, Billy Corgan is the most accepting person in the universe. Um, yeah, but it's by a, TNA. Yeah, right. That, that's pretty much <laughs> says it all. Right. But it's a really in- interesting story. The thing I don't like about it so much is that she's the narrator of her own biography. So it does feel skewed. But it's it's interesting and well done. It's also super creepy in hindsight when you realize she tape recorded every conversation she ever had with everybody she ever talked to. Very freaky. Um, next on my list is uh, 13th. Uh, it's a really interesting documentary about uh, the lives of black people in America um, and sort of how they're held down uh, by just government and political institutions. Um, but it's really engrossing. Like you're watching and you're sucked in and it goes by really fast. Um, Gleason, which is about this football player named Steve Gleason, who is diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease and starts filming himself for his unborn child. So you see the progression and it's really like feel good, but also very sad. He's still alive, but, um, it's just crazy to see this. Oh, geez, spoiler alert. Well, you would know, like, cause he's like a person who's known. 
But basically, it chronicles a lot of stuff that he helped with, like the ice bucket challenge and all that stuff. Gotcha. Um, uh, let me see. Tickled, which is straight up the creepiest documentary I've ever seen, ever. It's about uh, an entertainment reporter in New Zealand who researches little dinky stories, like for, po- you know, like the ones Kirby was talking about from yeah, the Simpsons. Yeah, podunk kind of Yeah, thing. like public interest stories. And he sees one on the internet about, um, competitive endurance tickling teams. So he contacts the people running it to see if he can do a little fluff piece about it. They send him a super, uh, a super jaded and prejudiced email calling him out for being a gay person and that they don't want to be involved with homosexuals. So he starts digging further and just becomes this super dark rabbit hole thing where the people who run it end up having almost unlimited resources and are just dark and vindictive and been destroying people's lives for over 20 years. Are you sure this isn't Scientology? No, but it's it's like on it, the year before my favorite documentary was Going Rogue, the Scientology one. This is like that same thing where it's just something super innocuous and then it's hmm. like people's lives are destroyed by what ends up happening. And you watch it and you think this is one of those stranger than fiction things. Yeah, that sounds good. Really I just good. thought it was about tickling. No, it's very weird. It's I put, a, but now I, I gotta watch it. Yeah, I just thought it was Amazon like Amazon Prime. I just thought it was one of those like uh, let's do an expose on people who like to get tickled. No, I, I put all mine in terms of the um, uh, my scale for documentaries and like the rabbit hole weirdness is all for me. Is I think we're alone now. This is like that. Yeah, this that is, was so unsettling. Yeah. Like. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I, even just thinking about it just kind of gets yeah. me a little this It's just like kind of on that same level. Um, and my number one documentary of the year was OJ Made in America, which is almost nine hours long. But like it just sucks you in. And I'm like, Jesus, I've been watching this thing for like almost nine hours and I could just watch it all over With again. David Schwimmer? No. This is like an actual documentary by Ezra Gold, Goldman or – yeah about uh, the OJ's role coming into politics, you know, in the 60s where he did, tried as hard as possible to not be identified with civil rights or anything. He covers the trial and then afterwards where he tries to reestablish himself by going to, into the black community that he's always uh, rallied against being lumped into. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it tells it's just an interesting story about 9 uh, hours yeah, it's like almost nine hours long. It's How did all, you watch it's it? It's on then? Hulu. It's in three parts. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's one of those ESPN Thirty for Thirty documentaries, and it's probably going to be uh, nominated for best documentary this year. And I checked out. I was like, God, this is it's super good. I mean, I know Kirby's into the Thirty for Thirty. The Thirty for Thirties are great. Yeah, yeah, I just I actually just really recently heard about this, maybe like a week ago. Yeah, and I not nine hours to invest, but. Um, no, it's in three parts. No, no, Each no, no, is like no, no. the I length mean, of a movie. But I would, yeah. I would want to watch yeah. it all probably at once. I'd yeah. binge it. Um, because yeah, I it is one I've seen on a lot of lists and heard nothing but good things about. Yeah. Um, as far as my horror movies, um, number five, The Purge Election Year. It's scary because it's true. That's all I'm saying. This is you know, where we're seeing this radicalized, just weird bug nuts universe we're living in right now. And it's like 
this could happen. I don't know. It's just it's kind of frightening. But I like how this is one of those weird, like when we reviewed it initially, it's one of those uh, horror series that actually every sequel is better than the last one. And I can't think of many uh, franchises that are like that. It just keeps expanding the universe in really interesting ways. Um, Number four is Green Room. Um, This is like I can't say enough good things about Green Room. To me, it is a horror movie because it's just – the same way that something like The Shining is where somebody's confined and it's just they're not getting out of there and you're just tense the whole time. And Patrick Stewart has this small part, but it's just frightening to me. Um, uh, number three is The Witch, which is also in my top ten regular movies. I'll get into that there. Um Number two is the autopsy of Jane I just like Doe. how you segregate everything just to be like, but I cross-pollinated here, so it's, it's okay. It, to me, it, I'll, I'll get into it. But, all right, I all hear right. you. Anyway, I'll say number number two is Train to Busan, which is probably the best zombie movie I've seen like in the last 10 years. I hate how this, you know, this genre's kind of like become garbage because it's so cheap to do zombie movies, but this actually says something unique and different. And it has a super sad ending, and it just makes you think. And the effects are practical but kind of cool, too, when they're mixed with the CGI. I meant to ask this as a quick aside. Have either of you seen The Girl with All the Gifts? Uh, no, because it's not out yet. It's not. It was at Beyond Festival. We didn't get to see, see it. See it? Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering if maybe seen I. I always count on you for VOD to tell me what's actually out on VOD. No, it's just what's it's going to come out later in the year. Okay, because I want to see it because uh, I read the synopsis. I'm like, this is The Last of Us, the video game. Uh, pretty much. It's literally like, I was like, wow, you guys didn't even like try. Hmm. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And uh, number one is The Autopsy of Jane Doe, which I've seen this movie Six well, I hope so. Times. Oh, I thought you're just gonna leave it I've there. I've watched this movie. I've seen like this movie six times now. It's so good, and it's freaky because it's not. You watch the the trailer. It's not what you think it's gonna be at all, and it just keeps unraveling. It's the kind of genre movie that they don't make too much of anymore. Um, and it's just really unique, and it's pretty much just Brian Cox and Emile Hirsch carrying the load along with like effects this movie could have been made like as an italian horror movie like you know 30 or 40 years ago and it would be just a weird movie and here it's like just really good and i the girl um who plays jane doe who it like even though she doesn't deliver any lines just through lighting and like camera angles just becomes this character and it's freaky um but yeah it just sticks with you it's such a good movie um yeah so those are my horror movies there uh top now 10. for list number three <laughs> top 10 i hope you i hope you so might as well just say i went skip, through it. skip which ones you already covered here yeah no i don't okay. have any i don't have any uh overlap. overlap oh i thought you said the witch was gonna be the, on there, which is the only one. Oh, okay, okay yeah okay fair deal yeah and maybe a couple others no <laughs> it's just the witch okay but no honorable mentions yeah no promises on- hey they're all their own thing <laughs> Okay. Number 10 is Tom Ford's Nocturnal Animals. This is a really good movie that's actually like a couple of layered movies in one. 
because it has uh, Amy Adams and Jake Gyllenhaal are a couple that were divorced. And she's gone on to live this really um, neon demon-esque life with her husband, Army Hammer. And there's a lot of the same actors in this part of the movie that are also in Neon Demon. So to me, I'm like, why watch Neon Demon since it's garbage, in my opinion, um, when you can see this. He writes a book that he dedicates to her after they're divorced, and it's this really dark, no country for old menish movie within the movie. And it keeps kind of uh, correlating effects in this level of the movie with the other one. And the ins- the the movie uh, is about uh, the movie of the book that we see as she's reading it is about Jake Gyllenhaal and the book version of his wife and how they're pulled over in the middle of the night in Austin by these uh, thugs who uh, kidnap, rape, and murder his wife and child and how he's trying to come to peace or get revenge with it and michael shannon is this cop who's helping him and he should win best supporting actor this is just a really good movie has a really dark ending yeah Um, it just ended its run at alamo yeah it's good so it's probably one of those that's just leaking everywhere yeah it's still playing it's still playing at like uh harkins and all that yeah um number nine is swiss army man Pretty much what Adam, you know, it's just a really imaginative, cool movie. It sticks in your brain and it's unique and it makes you think. A twenty. This is one of A twenty four's best movies this year. Number eight is Kubo and the Two Strings. Um, like Leica just kills it. I, uh, Coraline is so good. This I, I watched this more than Coraline. It's just it, it. It's sad, but it's really good. I still have yet to see it. Oh my god, you need to see. See, that's it. the thing. I mean, there's a lot of these movies I haven't. I should have gotten had a chance for to Christmas. see. Christmas. It's so good. Um, number seven is The Witch. This is what I'll say. Um, I struggled a lot. This was originally where I had Silence, and to me, what it ended up being is I've watched The Witch more than Silence for obvious reasons, but they talk about similar issues about. Um, faith when in crisis and what to do as an individual when you're all alone. And there's a lot of parallels between the two movies without spoiling silence. Um, But I think just the witch, just because it's so original and different gets kind of the edge for me. But silence is falls in that same kind of mindset to me. Um, Number six is hail Caesar which I didn't see until later on in the year. It's uh, the Coen Brothers' um, uh, last movie where um, Josh Brolin plays the head of a film studio. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of you know signature um, Coen Brothers kind yeah, of Yeah, I've heard if you want, it, if you want your Coen Brothers fix, go see the latest Coen Brothers movie. Yes, that would be true of every Coen Brothers movie. Well, this one is very Coen Brothers-ish. Yeah. This has those fakey kind of dance numbers you wanted more of in La La Land all over the yeah, place. Yeah, like that dream sequence from The Big Lebowski. Yeah, you know, I, there's at least three of those in here. Need a little more of that. And uh, it has Nazis. It has Tilda Swinton playing uh, identical twin gossip columnists. 
Uh, the Technicolor look of the movie is really amazing, and you can just watch it over and over again. It makes you smile. It's just a good movie. And yeah, Josh smiles Brolin, all around. And Josh Brolin is just like, you know, this kind of like, uh, well, I'm just rolling with the punches as one of the best scenes in any movie I've seen this year where he's filming a Ben-Hur-like movie, and he has a rabbi a Catholic priest and a Protestant, he's asking them questions about Jesus as it applies to the movie. And the the guy who's the rabbi is uh, Robert Ricardo, who is a doctor in Star Trek Voyager. It's like, what do you think, a rabbi? Is this fair to uh, – does this uh, impugn on your faith in any way? He's like, eh, I've seen worse. You know, it's just very did, funny. Did they all walk into a bar together? Kind of. It's it's kind of a riff on that joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Number number five is Arrival, which, you know, I love, like, Christopher Nolan movies. This isn't a Christopher Nolan movie, but it feels like something like Interstellar or Inception. And Denis Villanueva, who directed this movie, is directing Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. This movie, it feels like this Nolan Kubrick love child. It has this really... As a lot of twists I didn't see coming when I saw it originally, and Amy Adams is really good in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she carries the whole thing. Yeah. I really enjoyed that movie. Has a lot of atmosphere. Yes. Definitely. Uh, number four is Hunt for the Wilder People. I actually kind of feel like it should be higher, but it's um, Taika Waititi's last movie, who did um, What We Do in the Shadows. Yep. Same kind of humor. And the next Re- Thor movie. Yeah. It's really clever. A lot of fun. It's like uh, the New Zealand uh, legend of Billie Jean. It's super fun. Um, after that, I have for number three, uh, Hell or High Water, uh, which has uh, Jeff Bridges, Chris Pine. Um, it's like this uh, no country for old men kind of bank, bank heist movie. Um, it's just, it, it has a real, a lot of really interesting twists and it's a small story, but it's really well done. It's totally like the no country for old men of this year. I really liked it a lot. Um, number two is a monster calls. This is a really, really good movie. It's almost oppress oppressively sad. You can only probably watch this movie once but it's like it it all J A Bayona who also directed the orphanage uh directed this movie and the production design is by the people who did Pan's Labyrinth it's just a movie about the intricacies of dealing with the death of a loved one from a child's perspective and it's not going to appeal to everybody but once you watch it, you're like, God, this is a really strong movie. Like, I, you know, made me cry like a baby. It's super sad, but it's a really well-made movie. Pass. Yeah. And my number one movie was La La Land because, again, it's just, you know, really spoke to me. It's a sad movie. You know, the, the end montage of it just reminded me a lot of things I've gone through, and it really spoke to me. And, yeah, it's a really good movie. I uh Damien Chazelle, who also did uh, Whiplash, which was my favorite movie last year, uh, did this one. And I thought this was like actually a great it was Mad Max. Well, I like Mad Max. No, no, both of you actually picked Mad Max as your favorite movie. I was the lone dissenter. Oh, it was uh, I maybe I hadn't seen Whiplash then. 
No, you, I think it was in your top ten. Definitely. Oh, okay. I don't remember if it was your top pick, but again, too, it could have been more over time. Yeah, I rewatched Whiplash a lot this year. Yeah, yeah it's a good movie. Makes sense. Yeah, I don't know if he if uh, he has any more movies that are going to reach this level though. But George Miller, I also I think it you know the peak movies. Those are both peak movies. So yeah, that's my list. Yeah, it was weird too. Mad Max was my number two last year, and I I mean I've really think that one, you know, rewatch and Am's amazing cut he did as well. Um, beautiful. Um, you know, still such a great film. But this year I had I had a really hard time. Uh the only caveat I'm gonna say is that I, I really divide my top ten between the top five were pretty easy, the top bottom five not so much. And then I feel like I just have a lot of honorable mentions. I'll touch on it because I don't want to go on and on about stuff we already talked about. Um, I mean, we can discuss things. We've yeah, just yeah, been sure. Well, no, no, no. But I mean, I also don't want to, um, you know, go on and on and on about um, green room again. Yeah. Well, yeah. we could do that. You know, it's yeah, and we've also talked about them in previous episodes, so it's easier. But um, you know, I'll kind of just start at the bottom. I mean, I have a lot of, um, you know, it's really weird. I don't really know where to put honorable mentions versus actual films. So, like I said, I had a really divided list. Um, I do want to say two things: is that I didn't see La La Land yet or Autopsy of Jane Doe, and those were in my top two. There's mm. probably more films, but those are two I really wanted to see and probably would have altered my out, my list here. Uh, uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe is on VOD, so you should check it yeah, out. I didn't, I, yeah, again, it's, you know, knowing what's actually on there or seeking it out, I really want to see that one theatrically, personally. And, yeah. that, and that's another thing. That's, I, I found myself uh, enjoying the theater experience more and more in the respect that um, – you know, being away from my phone and distractions and everything else, just like a lot of people, but also the experience. And I, I will say that with a couple of the films I watched this year and how they affected me. Um, but I mean, I, a couple of ones you guys mentioned. I, I mean, I thought Deadpool was hilarious. I, I went, I didn't put in my top ten or anything, but I loved it when I saw it. Um, I really did enjoy Ten Cloverfield Lane. Um, documentary wise, I know um, Victor mentioned some really good ones. Uh, I also wanted to add the Resurrection of Jake the Snake. Yeah, I really like that one a lot. Obviously, because like wrestling, um, I really enjoyed the Hip Hop Evolution series. I thought that was amazing. Um, there's a few other documentaries I really enjoyed this year, and a few I'm looking forward to this year. Um, one that really surprised me that I love this year. I'll kind of kind of put in my two sequels for the top ten. I'm gonna cheat because. Fuck it, I can. Um, we already done enough of that. But yeah. I, I really enjoyed both the Ouija and the Conjuring sequels more than I ever thought I ever would. I mean, really enjoyed them. Like I've I was seen like, Conjuring two get a lot of people's best horror movie. I wouldn't consider it anywhere near my best horror film, but I like what Adam said. I'm gonna say I had fun, mm-hmm. and I don't have fun enough in at movies anymore. And so a couple of the picks I had were ones where I really feel like I had fun. Um, I really did enjoy Don't Breathe. I put that as my number nine. Um, I love that film. I, I think Faye Alvarez um, really has a lot of talent, and I think that it was a great cast and showed what you could do with very little. Um, I need to see the uh, the extended yes. or, uh, the DVD because apparently they cut out the whole third act of that movie. That's what I've heard too. Because that was one of my biggest problems with it is it felt like an unfinished movie. Yeah. Um, one I, I've kept on my list and I saw it like two or three times in the theater and recently watched it and still holds up for me. And it's very strange because I rarely ever put, I think the last 
Pixar film I put on mine was Up. I mean, if I were to put it on any of the last few years, that was much rough. I love Zootopia. I know a lot of people did not like it. I don't know what it is specifically about the film for me, but I just really thought I laughed a lot. I smiled a lot. I enjoyed it. Um, and so it's one of those ones where I'm, I, I have to put it back on. Um, on the, uh, I, I think Victor said it best, but for me, I actually really just recently watched A Monster Calls. And it is like a probably a one watch for me. Yeah. But I still felt it, it deserved to be in my top 10. I have never, I mean, overwhelming, like an overwhelming movie. And orig- and when I started watching it, I wasn't too keen onto it. It's once he starts telling the stories. Yeah, the way the stories are over, animated is really it's cool, too. beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. But it's the way the film builds from yeah. that point on that you're like, I'm in. I'm what did, in what did you think when, like, at the end when she opens the room and he sees everything inside? I lost I, it I, like a I, fucking I, I baby. I loved it, but you know what? It really was the 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 um the final scene, the bedroom scene. Yeah. But it was, I I mean, I actually became choked up. There's two films I cried on, and I'll mention the other ones in my top five. I mean, Fawn cried, and no shame, anything that a movie can still move me like that is really important because. I don't watch as many movies as Victor does or probably even as much as you. Like, I watch a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. Victor and I have talked about this, but I think it it kind of sometimes you can have a – it varies. It can be an enhancing experience to see a lot more. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you're like, ah, I've seen too many. Now it's blurring together. And you've talked about that before. And I think that the a Monster Calls, you know, one of the worst marketing jobs by whoever, oh, whoever did it. Because plenty of people walked in thinking they were going to see Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. And were not happy. Um, so, uh, I mean, if you were bummed out by the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy, you're fucked. You are completely fucked for this movie. Yeah. Well, it, it, we, the trailers, I thought of the the BFG, which I actually have no interest in. No. And that's how they've been marketing the monster Yeah, cult. it's like, oh, this child's friendly helper and i'm like oh my god if somebody actually brings their family to this they're gonna be so fucking angry yeah really angry yeah. but made me also though um especially with current like um you know just things in my life struggles and stuff you know it does i help i think reevaluate a few things for me and um as i recently lost a family member this week um who i was close to and loved dearly it's been this hit hard too. I mean, I saw it a couple of days before they died, and it's like, wow, this really does. I mean, it's you know, easier to let go because I wasn't right there or anything, but it doesn't get easier to yeah. you know. It, and I'm losing a lot of my family right now. You know, it's in people in my life. So, um, and uh, another life affirming film for me. Um, and had a lot of fun out with Swiss Army Man, mm-hmm. and. I thought it was probably one of the most creative, inventive films I've ever seen. There was nothing I expected in that movie, watching it from the very beginning to the very end. Absolutely nothing was I could have guessed that that was what was going to happen, even from seeing the trailers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I knew he was going to make it the Swiss Army tool of things. You saw those glimpses and stuff, but even there, it, it really they did a great job cutting that where it wasn't giving too much away. Um, beautiful film. Uh, I think on our very last podcast I mentioned, um, and I put in my top five moving in, I talking about another like powerful film that really hit me hard was Eyes of My Mother. 
It was just not all what I was expecting in a lot of respects. Um, it, it's one I encourage everybody to see. It's it's definitely not for everybody. I don't think it's for 99% of the people. But uh, showing what you can do with very little and telling an extremely powerful story that is unnerving to say the least. Um, I really enjoyed this. Um, so that's why I can say we've already talked about Train to Busan. But uh, the last thing I was going to say, uh, it kind of on, on what Victor pointed out was is that you're talking about the most tired genre. And to have it, I mean, it's cliche to say, oh, completely reinvigorates it, but it does. It This is because that is what the appeal of Walking Dead was, especially when it was one of the comics I read in. It is that the people are the walking dead. The living yeah. are the dead, not the other way around. And the stories here, um, the moral choices people make is just so heavy. Yeah. Um, you care about, like, everybody. everybody. Yeah. And, like – And the people you even hate or you realize that they're still – you know, it's like, what would I really do? Would I really be such a good person? Would I? I, I you know, who knows in this situation? Yeah. It's, it's not – black and white and that's why i say i really like the gray in films mm -hmm. like i like seeing people where there is conflict and there is you know there's struggle and whether they overcome or they succumb to it at least it's real i hate the fakeness and the veneer of so much in cinema mm -hmm. and the way it is and like i said so almost like a uh, on just the surface level like like a stephen king conflict yeah you know, and like Stephen, a mist see, kind of thing. Well, or, like there's the mist is is actually a good example. Yeah, it is kind of like the mist in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's very much, um, and it's just one of those ones where it was just interesting too. I mean, I I first I really thought I was gonna go full Snowpiercer and just be completely on the train, you yeah. know, and that was gonna be it. Um, when it kind of started, and I kind of like where it went, um, and it just was relentless, um, and um, but then. For me, that my number third choice. I mean, Victor put well. I mean, they can just do no wrong. Kubo and the Two Strings is an absolutely perfect movie, and I cried like, I mean, full on. Like, it, I mean, I just could not believe how much it got to me. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just a, a great story. It's funny. It's sweet. But even though I love, I mean, I love the box trolls. I, I want to talk just not just about like Coraline stuff. But I mean, the box trolls is their most recent film, and how much I love Paranorman too before that. But this is the one where, especially the um, the uh, ocean scene. Yeah. When I was watching that, I was like, oh my god! Like, how long did it take to do this? Like, I, I need to watch the special. To me, I, like, it was one of those things where like. Oh, well, clearly the main characters are puppets, but all this other stuff's got to be CGI. But then during the credits, when they show you that 30-foot or puppet of the skeleton, I was like, ah, like, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. I just can't imagine. All I feel is hard work, love, and energy from that movie. And just, uh, just beautiful. I mean, I just can't say it. And on to number two is the intensity. We've already discussed it enough, but I mean – I, I think it was because I went to the press screen. I think because I really didn't know too much. But the green room hit me like a fucking sledgehammer. I've, I've just never been, I mean, edge of my seat. I mean, truly like gripping the um, the seat, like cheering out, out, getting out of my seat and almost cheering. I, it was the best Siege movie I've seen in forever. Um, 
I, I think I mean I I put it up there with you know a Psalm Precinct thirteen taking a Pelham one two three, but it is a it is also a great horror movie and it's the horror of what can truly happen and what would happen if you were backed into a corner into that um, the life or death situations. But there was just such an unflinching honesty with it. I think the whole joke of the um, – I really – one of the things I loved most rewatching was the Desert Island picks. And I think that that's almost like what we're talking about now is what would you really pick? When we did – Adam did the um, the grid of we did the countdown for the best Oh, movie. yeah. That was a good episode. A great yeah. idea is, is that is when you really come down to it, what do you really want to watch? What would you rather keep rewatching? And and you get into it, you're like, wow, man, I can't, I can't pick, and that kind of, but that's what the whole movie to me was about in the end is the honesty with yourself, and that, um, you know, it, the punk rock, especially as a backdrop, has a lot of, uh, you know, it's very, um, ne- you know, the nihilism and stuff is just, you know, the uh, the, you know, you're supposed to not give a shit and all this stuff, but when it comes down to it, they they take a stand a hundred percent the whole time. And it's just huge. Um, I, just uh, another one. Uh, and, you know, rest in peace, Anton Yelchin, because, man, he really made this movie. Um, and I loved it. And uh, the only thing that could best it was it was literally probably one of the first couple movies I saw in 2016. But uh, I truly feel The Witch is is the landmark film of 2016. I think for horror, it, it's... Um, a revelation it, it is unlike anything i've ever seen um there and the back the the backdrop the scenery of what it is um in terms of that time period their dedication to keeping it as accurate as possible but more important i mean those just absolutely gorgeous visuals and um shocking tone um from beginning to end i just was riveted i i loved every single part of it mm-hmm. um there's nothing, not a single frame, nothing I would change. Um, and it's just one of those ones I really, I feel like, you know, 10, 20 years from now, this is a film we're still going to be talking about because I think this is a film people are going to discover. Um, it, it, this is another, um, what do you call it, uh, marketing mistake where um, I don't think they did a bad job. It's not on the par mm-hmm. with like a Monster Calls. But I really think people thought, wow, this is going to be this like, uh, satanic shocker or something like yeah they clearly and, played it up like that but yeah. didn't really tell people a lot about it and it was like you know i think a24 doesn't really fall you know they release movies when they release movies yeah exactly you know but uh, i mean this came out like uh, basically a year ago like today you know like yeah. or this week like True. oh yeah middle of january no big thing i remember going to the press screening for and they were like Psh, like I don't know, thirteen people there. And everyone was like, "What the fuck did we just watch?" Yeah, and yeah. that's and and it's. Um, Adam kind of touched on it. I I like movies that make me think. You know, when you're waxing about the lobster, I think that, I the the it's not about just questions of faith and all those. I mean, I think that that's the very surface. It's so much deeper than that. It is. Um, uh, also, like Victor mentioned, what would happen in those situations? The Green Room and The Witch, for me, are a, not just because they're both A24 films, but I just felt like they were perfect match. Like, they had to be number one and number two. They were from the second I saw them, and I haven't wavered at all. There's nothing I saw this year yeah. that was ever going to come close. 
But, um, you know, really in the end, that's my list because, I, I mean, I missed some things I really wanted to see. This is – I was able to film my la- – uh, we've done this now. Sorry third one yeah and um the first two years i was really able to feel them pretty well but each succeeding year it was harder first year uh, 2014 or whatever it was pretty easy 2015 i usually have my top picks pretty good yeah but the the i feel like oh god i really don't want to put filler in here but it's like i I don't know what to do is it like do i really like it i love it Mm mm-hmm I, I think this year was pretty strong in that. I, it was a good. Year. I don't. I don't really feel thing. like any of us really had. Fill, like I listened to your list. I was like, yeah, those are all good movies. I yeah. like all those movies, and even the ones I didn't pick, the ones like and the, a lot of the ones Adams Adam had, like you know, Deadpool's a really good movie. It's a really good movie, and I'm just like, like even I just mention it, I want to watch it right now. Yeah. It's like weird because, you know, it's becoming more like, you know, as the studio system becomes more and more entrenched, we don't have a lot of big studio movies on our list. I mean, you have a few, but it's like, you know, well-made ones, you know, but like I remember coming into 2016, I was like, oh, clearly Batman versus Superman is going to be one of my favorite movies this year or Suicide Squad or Captain Captain America Civil War. And those are three of my least favorite movies this year. Yeah, I didn't make it on my list. Yeah, like all three of those would be on my bottom ten list, you know. I'm like, God, you know, in terms of disappointment or writing or whatnot, you know. I recently watched Civil War and it was – it was a hard watch. It's I, on I, Netflix I, now I and it's dislike like, Civil War more than like I, – I think Batman vs. Superman is a better movie. It is Civil a better War. movie. Just like because Civil War for the most part just ignores all the character work from the individual movies. Like we're making our own movie then fuck any other – you know, when you – this is a problem, you know, because I was going to write about this at one point. I'm sure I will whenever I see another Marvel movie because there's good ones, you know, that like the Guardians of the Galaxy ones kind of exist in their own little universe right now. Um, but when you're like one of these movies, it's using all these other characters in one big combined movie and you're not paying attention to the character work from those other movies. That is a huge failure in my opinion. Yeah. Just wait till you get infinity wars. Yeah. When they get everybody in there. Yeah. It's just like all the, yeah, it's just like, it's just like a bad comic book where like you do a big crossover and you're just like, that's not that character. You know, I saw Ant-Man, Ant-Man wouldn't do that shit. Or I saw, you know, like. My big, it's like with Civil War. This is the exact same story they've done with with uh, the the Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man now in three different movies. And it's like at the end, he's like, "I've learned my lesson." Like, nope, we're gonna reset it, do it all over again with more characters. Yeah, you know. Sure. It, I think that uh, I think with Civil War rewatching again, it's like, God, you're you know you you probably I think we're like they were doing this and going. Man, we're gonna have the impact of Iron uh, Winter Soldier, and it's like you you can't even come close. Winter Soldier, yeah, it's impossible. How can you how can you even think that you're gonna be able to do that? And you know, and that's where I think Deadpool succeeded for yeah. me. Was Deadpool goes fuck it? We're just gonna do whatever the hell we want. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, you don't. I think one of the big reasons Deadpool works is because. That Deadpool movie could be set in the world of like the 90s X-Men comics or the cartoon or anything. It's like, oh, look at that. It's comic book Colossus and he lives at the X-Mansion. And here's a story where Deadpool is just fighting some guy and it's not just some 
world-ending thing. It's a fight somewhere that means something to him, but it has no aspect on the fate of the universe. This is what, like, this is what the Wolverine could have been such a good movie if they hadn't thrown in all that silver samurai bullshit and just been like, oh no, my healing factor's not working, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. When he was running through, uh, through the streets of Tokyo from those away from those ninjas. I'm like, this This is all this movie has to be. It doesn't have to have fucking adamantium robots and some bad Russian actress, you know? And that's why I'm hoping to God that Logan is just going to be this little movie like that. Yeah. You know, knock on wood or adamantium, whatever. Yeah, there's just not a lot. I mean, that's that's the only genre. Deadpool, I will say, out of everything, gave me hope again that comic book movies could change to be something um, outside of of what they are. I mean, I think that that's super important. I don't think that'll be consistent. No, I don't think but it'll I be think consistent. That, I think things will, the- will be dropped in every now and again that will be interesting to watch. Just, just like in the horror genre. I mean, yeah. there's times where it's just this big, long lull. And then something gets dropped in. Oh, that's, yeah, that and everything is its own thing. Because as for as good as Deadpool was, X Men Apocalypse is fucking terrible in every. I honestly don't even remember it. It's completely forgettable. It's basically like like a bad Stargate with slow mo. And I'm like, they just put out Deadpool a few months ago. You know, didn't someone here say, "Oh, look at what they're doing. This might be something to." You know, pay mind to who knows. Yeah. I I think there. I didn't. I I guess it's just um, as it's been mentioned. I guess the way I look at it, to to your point, I'm is this is it's kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy. You can just which for me the one thing I oh people go, uh, you know, what did you think of Guardians of the Galaxy? I said I remember walking out. I saw the first screen, the IMAX, and I said, you know, what else can you say but feel good movie. Yeah. I've never felt so good walking out of a movie in years. I mean, truly good. Like, just energized. Like, wow, that really made me happy. Like, and yeah. smile, and it was mm-hmm. fun. I just don't feel that way, like, with most films. So I said, you know, and the M's, and Deadpool, I, I laughed. I, I laughed so much during Deadpool. And, you know, that's one of those things where you can really love Ryan Reynolds. That's a feat unto itself. Yeah. That's <laughs> superheroes right there. Like, I, I'm pretty like two of my I'll say like Deadpool and Keanu were probably two of my favorite comedies this year. Like Keanu yeah, com- comedy has not had the best year this year. Yeah, that I think everybody there, can agree on. to me there were like three really good comedies that came out in 2016. And it was um, Deadpool, Keanu, and Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. You, if you haven't seen that, you should see it. I was like, like I'm you know I. The Lonely Island kind of peaked, but it's really good and it's really funny. It's just making fun of these, like, you know, Justin Bieber kind of yeah, tour yeah, yeah. documentaries. I've been it. wanting to watch it. There's, yeah. There's a few of them, but yeah, that's, the, and I think I brought that up almost all my reviews of comedies this year. And I, you did too, kind of the points is that now, and we talked about our last podcast, comedy is just, it's one note now with a lot of these films. I watch it and I don't remember it. Like, I could, I just saw it less than a month ago, Office. Christmas, Christmas party, party and Bad Santa too, and I could not tell you more than three jokes from any of them. Yeah, and, and I don't mean it just to be like annoying friends, but that's what you do with films. The comedy you love, you want to rewatch a part. Yeah, you want to hear that line. That's you wanna, well, yeah, that's you a good comedy. Like yeah. even like Step Brothers or something. Yeah. where it's like 
You know, you can think of like five or six jokes just off the top of your head, you know, versus, you know, like office Christmas party around. And the only thing I remember about that one that I will probably never forget was the whole um, the Uber driver. That's it. Yeah, that that was the whole film for me. That or was. like, oh, and Jennifer Aniston doing MMA. But I'm like, Jennifer Aniston playing a bitch is like now her, her go to now. Cause like until uh, horrible bosses three when right, she can well, do it no. one more time yeah well that's just it she plays like a bitch in that she plays a bitch in where the Millers you know I'm yeah. not trying to be misogynistic I mean she plays a abrasive woman but it's just like um in Patriots Day Michelle Monaghan is the wife and it's like really Michelle Monaghan once again playing the more like the uh, everyday man's wife who's kind of attractive but slightly older. She's it's the same character she played in True Detective and in like five other movies. Yeah. But that's I mean, yeah. I don't think typecasting has really gone away either. No, so but it it's just it like, is. yeah. And it's just I, I like movies that take risks, is all I'm saying. And I think all three of our lists have movies that do take risks. Yeah. And that's it's a good way to wrap it yeah, up. Yeah. It's a good way to do it. Yep. Well, big fifty. Didn't I think know, we'd right? ever get here, but we got a few uh, George Clooney, Salt and Pepper. Hey, in like five more episodes, we'll be able to get a senior discount, right? See, get the Denny's uh, Grand Slam, which it, for it, four dollars. When we hit a hundred <laughs> podcasts, but see, see, but it's different people. We're not the people on iTunes who have an episode every day because I just rambled into a microphone. I know we actually have episodes, so. We're almost. I mean, if we hit a hundred, that'll be that'll be a, a a Dairy Queen ice cream cake. I won't be partaking, of course, but I'll bring one. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have them do it up. Yeah, just get some vegan fondant. The inside is carrot cake or something. <laughs> anyway, thanks again for listening, you guys. Thanks, um, guys, for all you, your support. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, share it to your friends, write us a review because that only helps us get the word out even more. And uh, check out our reviews. Lots of them. We've been trying to keep a good schedule up on cultfollowing.co. So, yeah, and we got more on the way. And I will also say if you live in the Phoenix, Arizona area, uh, you can always check us out at Cult Classics every month at Pollock Tempe Cinemas. Our next show is The Lost Boys, the Saturday, November 14th. Tickets at cultclassicsaz.com and all Valley Zia stores. Say hello, ticket alert. At Right now, I think there's only like 40 tickets left, so you should probably jump on that shit. Um, and if you are in the East Valley, you should stop by and say, hey, visit Adam at the Alamo Drafthouse Challenger or Chandler. <laughs> Challenger. I don't it is know, a man. challenge. Yeah, the Alamo Drafthouse Chandler. It's way south. Are you yeah. saying you're having an explosive career? Boom. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Arizona and Chandler yeah. Heights, I believe, are the cross streets. Uh, y- yes. Yes. So Sorry, check- actually, I'm 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 being called to work right now. Uh oh. So yeah, check uh, check that out. You can always find us at Cult Classics AZ. Find Adam uh, and all of us at cultfollowing.co. And if you want to check out the Draft House, DraftHouse.com. Until next time, I am Victor Marino along with Adam. Meow. And Kirby. Happy Friday the 13th. And until next time, that's the call sign we're going out on. Yeah.